This year is brought to you by Eshel Publications. Eshel Publications is a non-profit organization dedicated to spreading the Torah, Shiurim, and Sefarim of Rabbi Aaron Lapiansky. For sponsorships or more information, visit eshelpublications.com. Uh, we have a great honor every year. One of the highlights of, uh, of, of, of our guest speaking, spe- speaker um, program of which uh, th- there isn't anybody, and this, this, uh, every yeshiva agrees to this statement, there's nobody better um, that, uh, at a Q&A than, than today's guest speaker. Lopiansky is Rosh Hashiva of Yeshiva Gedol of Greater Washington, um, uh, who's a fantastic Tamil Chacham, but somebody who, as you'll see, is just so impressive in his breadth of knowledge and his depth of knowledge and able to handle questions in, in any area of Torah in, in such a profound way. Um, and that's what we look forward to this. Not only the students looking forward, but the Rebbeim look forward to this. Uh, also recently put out a Sefer, which we're, everyone's very excited about, and, and uh, uh, as, as, as we are in our yeshiva as well. Um, one of our alumni who's very, very close to Ravila Opiansky, Vinyam and Aaron Kranz, um, tipped us off about the Sefer when it was right before it was coming out and Mr. Shem, we hope to um, have uh, acquired the Sefer to, to give as a gift for all of you at the end of the year because it's, it's, such, a, it's such an important Sefer um, and uh, we're very excited to have Rav Lopiansky today. Thank you. Um, first of all, it's very nice to be here. It is, uh, it is kind of become a Mesaurus. It's especially nice to recognize my next door neighbor who literally grew up uh, in the house, uh, Noach. And um, I would like just to make a point about the questions and answers. I think as important as the answers are, the questions are more important. Um, the first word of Torah Shabbat Peh starts with a question, Me'emosai. In other words, it's um, Torah Shabbat Sav is what HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, and Torah Shabbat Peh is what we inquire. And being able to formulate a thoughtful question and pursuing it until we get an answer that sort of is finally Misash Shabbat is really, um, th- th- that's learning. It's, it's true in Allah, it's true in Agada, it's true in Ashkafas Olam. So I welcome the questions that have been always been kind of wide-ranging. It shows that the Tzibur here has a wide-ranging interest. And it's something that um, I feel, it, the, the ability to ask a serious question, the ability to be bothered by it and to think about it, and finally to come to a resolution that you feel is emis, is really the heart and the sort of learning. And that's why in many ways I, I find a question and answer sometimes more productive the question part than the answer part. With that, um, we've traditionally have, uh, someone's had the, been the, the Kairat McGill of the questions, so who's that? Uh, what? I guess I'll start off the question. Okay, sure. There's a machokas in, in the educational world whether or not um, a Rebbe should demand that smartphones are not used at all, whether uh, you know, a shir should you know, take away the smartphones from the boys so that they'll actually have the mindset to be able to concentrate or to allow them to learn on their own how to use it, how to moderate their usage of it. What's the, uh, from an educational perspective, Right. Um, if you take it away, they'll never really learn how to... So, I, I would like to use, um, I, I guess, a comparison, and you'll excuse me for using such a strong comparison. I'd been involved, I'd been to Kufis, I'd been to, in places w- that are rehab places. And there's one, Bechemish, that I had a Kesha with the one who, who heads it, Rabbi Eckstein, and I, you know, somewhat tangentially and somewhat I visited the place and the the um, the Yisod 
of addiction and rehab is loss of control, um, spinning out of control. Now, it always starts with a period of time when you completely negate something, and then you go to a period of time that, you, if you're capable, to begin to use things judiciously and in ways that are, um, that are responsible and productive. Not doing something is a tool. Self-discipline is a tool. Um, and let's give an example in something, let's not go to addiction, Arias. Arias is the strongest force and drive in a person. We, if we start with sometimes yes, sometimes not, it'll never work. We start with total control, and then we say, okay, now once I have the ability to say no, I can say yes when needed, and no when wrong. It's never a compromise. It always is. I once, they once asked me a shayla in yeshiva, the board, about, is it mutter to speak Lashon Hara about this? I said, it's never mutter to speak Lashon Hara. It's either asur or mechuyev. You're either mechuyev or you're asur to speak Lashon Hara. It's never mutter. Um, the same thing is true with, with, let's say, with many things. There are either mechuyev or asur. Mutter doesn't go over there. To be able, I think the biggest problem in Chinuch, in Yeshiva by us, we've been kind of liberal about smartphone, cell phone, and it's gotten, and we've gotten more and more strict, simply because it never works. It, the, the people do not have the control. There's a, a halachic category called Dilma Asila Amshuche. It's, it's, the Arayas is Moshech, Minus is Moshech, certain things have a nature of dragging a person in. So the first step in Chinuch is the ability to say no. And it's more than just saying no to a smartphone. It's to know there's a life after smartphone. There's actually the ability to sit for three, four hours, not, not to, to, to be busy with something, to be busy with the Gemara, asking, answering, thinking, um, putting your thoughts together and so on, that becomes enjoyable. Once a person has that built into him, there's going to be a transition where in, 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 in almost every field in life you do need to use it, but now we'll be able to say, this is what I use, this is what I don't use. I don't need to be um, uh, available. I, to, to, to be plugged in 24-7 destroys my ability to run my life. The times I need is X, Y, and Z. Of course, if you're an emergency responder, you should have it on all the time. But most people are not emergency responders. Personally, I, I don't even I don't use a cell phone when I'm home because, like I said, I'm not an emergency room physician. I don't need to be on call. Nobody has a cash on a rash, but it needs to be answered within five seconds. I assure you, even in Shiva by us, people can wait a few minutes for the rash to be answered, and, and it and it destroys my self-discipline. So. Um, I don't. I, I listen to my message. I do try to get back to people. You know, I listen twice a day. I have my times. I listen. I do my email. But I try very hard to have my Seder Yom and this. When I travel, I do have a smartphone. I need it. I need it because, you know, I have to order cars and so on and so forth. But I try very hard to make those determinations. In Yeshiva, you build a certain discipline. And that discipline, I do think, starts with a big no. The purpose of the no is so that you learn how to live a life that's cell phone free, that you don't need to be hooked in. People are amazed to discover they have their own life. They can think, they can feel, they can contemplate, they can schmooze with a friend. One of the, one of the more beautiful Yitzhaharas we had in Yeshiva was a bull session with a friend at night. And some of it maybe had not, not much value, but some of it had some real value. We'd be able to, do, to discuss things and think about things. Um, it, it doesn't exist because it's three-second responses to, to people that are not there. So I, I do believe, and I've come over the years to become more and more, there's a truth in life when there has to be a strict kind of, you know, whatever way it is, whether it's on stated time, whether it's only at night, however you do it, but the purpose is to give you the tools 
so that someday you can make that decision. At what time do you start making that, that type of decision? It depends. It's hard to tell. And, and this, the book, I, the safe I wrote, actually deals with a different type of issue of the transition of coal, of coal to work, which is also requires a bridge of things that you excluded out of life. You now begin to integrate in a responsible and productive way. It's a tough one. But I do believe there has to be some sort of introductory period where a person gains the tool saying no. Yes, any, you, can, you, can, you can text Twitter me the questions if you want. And we'll, 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 yes, please introduce yourself. What's your name and where are you from? So the the um, I I don't know why there would be so if a person believes that Moshiach is one of you give me Ikrim, he believes in that. Whether it can come now or not, it really is a moot point because Hayashem Tikzer. We believe our Kajfar could make Kriyas Yamsuf now. Um, so believing that Mashiach could come now is definitely, it taught me to see where there would be an issue with that. Once a person has that amuna, I believe the, the, the Lashon, the Rambam, that it has to be metzapelo. The word metzape, I think, means more anticipate rather than um, believe that he is coming. And I want to broaden the topic a little bit. When we ask ourselves, when we're hoping for Mashiach, and every drasha ends off somehow Mashiach coming. As somebody once said, when the darshan says, and the geula will come in, in, hurriedly, you know the geula has arrived already. You know, that, that, at that point, you've been redeemed. Um, so we think of Mashiach as a panacea. Mashiach is something that everybody has his tsaris. This person has health issues, this person has pregnancy issues, this person has children that get married, this person has this, that, and the other thing. And we tend to think of Mashiach as the cure-all for our tsaris. Um, it may be true, but then I don't think that that would require us to be metzapa all the time for it. That's not, there's nothing fundamentally religious, let's say, about that. So we believe, just like we believe our Baruch could help us at any time, and a person who is not well, and is being mispalal and hopes and believes our Kaddish Baruch can help, so Mashiach is not different. I, I, I think we make a big mistake. Mashiach's job, in the sense that we are going to, that we hope for it, the Ramam says is the restoration of Klal Yisrael's spiritual tzura the way it was. We tend to think of ourselves as everything being pretty okay spiritually. Well, we're missing the most important elements of our Yiddishkeit. Two Storm and Shas are totally irrelevant. Kachim and Tyrus, we, 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 we're clueless. We have no chest in. So we only have two-thirds of Yiddishkeit. And even of the other parts, we don't have Sanhedrin. We, 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 and, and many, many, as Baruch Hashem's Roy or Zerchot to begin having, some of it we have, some of it is up in the air. So we're missing whatever it is in Torah that makes a person Sholem, we're missing. So a person's hope for Geula is the Shlemus of the Tzur of Kal Yisrael. Kal Yisrael is a real Klal when they have a Melech. The only achtos in Kal Yisrael is possible with a king. A democracy is not achtos. It's a wonderful way of running things when there's no leadership. is a consensus. But a consensus really gets things done the right way, the most efficient way, and the best way. As Churchill once said, democracy is a pretty bad form of government. It's just that the other ones are much worse. It's not, it's not that democracy is a great... Anyone who's ever sat on a shul committee uh, or, or has heard his father come back from a meeting in a shul committee will, will know that it's not a great, but it's the best there is. The, at least we're doing it by consensus. A king 
a king shapes a nation and moves it forward. We have no king. We have no monarchy. We have nothing like it. Melech HaMashiach is a halachic entity. It's, it, he is the Melech Yisrael with the dinam of Malchus based David who restores that sort of castle. We will be a real nation with real leadership, with, with a place that expresses our religious yearnings and, and, and growth in the fullest way possible, Mesa Mikdash, in Karbanis, and a Sanhedrin, which will bring justice and Mishpat. So, so the, the anticipation of Mashiach is meant to be the expression of a person's Ruchnius. If I am satisfied with the Ruchnius I have, then I begin to realize that what I have is a, is a drop in the bucket. It's, it's like someone coming to a civilized country and seeing one or two things, and he realizes, I, I never saw this, running water and heat and, and air conditioning and cars, and, and I'm only seeing a drop in the bucket. That's, so I, I would think that the, the Lashon of Achakelo and the Lashon of a Mitzapeh B'chaleis, Mitzapeh means I want it and I anticipate it. it. It's not just a silly belief that, that I... It, it's sometimes when a person really wants something, he thinks it's coming because he's so eager for it. That's a, that's a real expression of yearning for Mashiach. Uh, um, a, a person, Lo'oleinu, sometimes people who, who, who are not well or have relatives that are not well, every time they hear about some supposed cure, they run on all four to get to it. It's because of the pressure of wanting it. That sometimes mechalkel the, 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 the seichel. The, the warning Mashiach to come and the yearning for Shlemus does sometimes lead to stories about Dolem that, you know, he's here, I just saw this. But, but it, that's the end of the process. It's not the beginning of the process. Yeah? Okay, I was just there actually. Yeah. Um, th- that is the, it used to be $64,000 question. I don't know how much they give today for the, for the big question. But they're obviously coming in yeshiva. So one external Eitzah and maybe one internal Eitzah. But first of all, the belief that in a person, there almost everyone has an, an aptitude for that, just like music. There are sometimes kids, they're four years old, and they stand on top of a chair, they play the piano, first shot they're playing something. That's a rarity, but it exists. You have some people that are tone deaf, and they can sit for years, and people pour money into music lessons, and nothing ever happens. And most people, given enough time, begin to develop an aptitude, which means it was there, it was a very recessive gene, let's call it, a latent potential, but it comes. So most people, when they're teenagers, don't really enjoy learning. And many people, as they mature and they're learning, they begin to enjoy it. So the first thing is a belief in yourself that it's, by statistically, it's potentially there. Two, learning has a very hard time competing with anything else. Because learning is very cerebral, because it requires a certain abstraction, Anything that is um, more physical, more readily enjoyable, will usually um, take your attention span away. And that's why the years that you spend in, in serious learning, like here, the less unrelated activities, and that's one of the reasons, again, why the, the thousand and one entertainments are, are problematic. They're so, they're such an easy pleasure. It, it's physical, it, you see it, you hear it, it's funny, it's easy, it's, it's, it's empty. All of that contributes to making it easy pleasure. It's very hard to fight um, one with, so uh, the level, and that's why in yeshivas traditionally, they've been very exclusive of other things. Um, most yeshivas do not allow anything, no, no other studies, etc., etc. The reason was because learning usually has a hard time to competing with it. And third of all, I think when you flesh out the learning, one of the things by us in Yeshiva that we stress a lot, 
And I found it has made a world of difference. We push people, we pay, we, we, you know, we gave office incentives, is learning Shakla Vitaria Balpe. In other words, reading the Gemara as a text is, is two-dimensional. When, when, you, when you go back and forth, you, you, so to speak, act it out. The Mishnah says this and this. How could you possibly say this? And they say, well, that's because you read in Mishnah this way. I read it differently. If you do it in, if you do it in Taisvis, you know, people don't get the full sense of the argument. And, and once you're able to get it, then, then your mind starts working. Do I see it that way? Do I not see it that way? Taisvis says, how could this Gemara go if the Gemara says differently there? Okay, what would I say? What is Taisvis' answer? Could you say differently? Is Rashi trying to anticipate the problem? When your mind begins to become active and you see it as a, as a full, that's why people, when they learn, they become very animated, whether they're speaking with their hands, where, you know, or, or, or they're sort of fleshing out, find that that's a bit, it helps you get engrossed in it and it helps it come alive. It, you, know, it, it, I, I, you know, you, you can usually tell when somebody's reading a Taisvis if he's living it or if he's translating words. And, and those are, translating words is agony. Um, living it usually becomes quite enjoyable. So, so those are three things I would suggest. One is believe that just most people, as they're maturing, begin to have the aptitude to like learning. And just, again, year after year, you see it happen. You, you, 15 and 16-year-olds, you see many people very, very fretting and just not enjoying it. And, um, and 22-year-olds and 23-year-olds, you begin to see people that can sit down seriously and, and, and really have a gnaw from it. Excluding distractions, something that's really engaging and engrossing and absorbing outside of learning is really creates a, 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 a very difficult obstacle. And finally, understanding that Torah Shabbat Peh is a living Torah. It was people who argued, answered, brought riots, slugged up the riots, and, and if you work it out that way, I think it becomes a lot more exciting. Yes? What's your name? What would you mean? Give me an example. What would you mean, judgmental? Meaning that you know if you're not going to say it, then people are going to look down at you. So therefore, that motivates you to go to say it. So, Rabbi Sol Salanta writes um, that he writes this in a letter, and there's a story about it that actually was, it actually happened. He says a person, in order for a person to attain truth. There are two kochos nefesh that are in operation. One is a desire for truth, and one is a desire to be right. He calls it the poisonous koach, which is important. De Velt says, that's, that's what he writes in a letter. Um, De Velt says a story that um, he once instituted a very strict, kind of respectable conversation policy amongst Tamidim. And at some point, he said, I see good midas, but I don't see learning. And he went back to, some, to injecting some sort of, I, I want to see about this judgmental point and, and, and be very, very, I, I think it's important because it goes to many other issues. It is nice that in the Western world today, we're not judgmental. But it depends what, what that's coming from. And, and, and uh, we're mixing up two things. Let, let's, let's describe the following scenarios. Um, imagine somebody's not well, physically not well. So we recognize, so this person is, is critically ill. This person has a really, really difficult illness. On the one hand, if you tell the person, listen, you, you know, you, you ain't good. You, you, you know, chances are you're not going to make it out of here, then he probably won't. And it's certainly not the right approach. 
On the other hand, you, you, when you ask yourself to prioritize the sick people and so on, you need to say to yourself, this person needs help a lot. Next, one, one layer, next layer. In a society, most criminals have um, reasons why they ended up where they ended up. So somebody's stealing. Most of the time, there's a history behind it. But you want to say, as a society, we want to impress how wrong stealing is. But each criminal himself, I want to try to understand where he's coming from and try to get him to become a good person. If I stop being judgmental in values, then I have no values. And that is, doesn't bring a corporate society, it is the corporate society. If humans have no right and wrong, they're animals. You've destroyed humanity when you say there's no right and wrong, good and bad. On the other hand, every person, a real psychopath, which means there's something fundamentally flawed in his trauma, is rare. It exists, but it's rare. So most people who are criminal, um, we want to be able to understand why they became what they became and use that information to bring them back to a place that's good. We, we live in a world where the vast majority of Kali Yisrael are not Jomotor Mitzvahs. So what we need to do is we need to retain our sense of values, not to lower it and say, well, some people are nice people because they keep Shabbos, some people are nice people because they plant trees, some people are nice people because they play ball well. That means society is valueless. If everyone has their own values, that's another way of saying there are no absolute values. That is automatically destroyed. So Kaleisol is not Kaleisol, and humanity is not humanity. You have to stay away from that. What you do want to say is that the people that are not Shantar Mitzvahs, they were brought up that way. Society is that way. They've had bad experiences in our world that pushed them out. Let's see. So I need to look at the person as a good person, and I need to retain constantly that the real good is for him to be a Shantar Mitzvah. How do I get him to be Shantar Mitzvah? Because the minute I say there's other good Shantar Mitzvahs, I've, I've denied Torah. And it's a big problem. It's, 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 it's a positive development. It used to be in Europe, and I guess because society was, was, a, was a, a Shoma Mitzvah society, somebody who left the fold, who became weak Shoma Mitzvah, was sort of excommunicated, not, not uh, technically, but sort of emotionally, socially. And, you know, they were rejected. I don't know, was that the right tool? I can't judge what was. Today, we reach out to people, and that's wonderful. But when you're reaching out to somebody, you need to know where do you want to get him to. Reaching out means I'm stretching out an arm, but the point is to bring him here, not to say you're okay where you are. So that's, that's, the, that's the emiss, and, and that you have to keep pushing. You keep saying there's right and wrong, and that's absolute, and, and you have to. I'll, let me tell you a, a story in a little bit of different context. Rav Weissmandl, for those who heard of Michael Weissmandl, was one of the great rabbinim in Slovakia, and he tried desperately. He was very involved in saving thousands of Jews during World War II. He he um, he was Slovakia was like a bubble. The 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 the, 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 not, the Nazis did not really control it till almost at the end of the war, and he was able to bring a lot of people out of Poland through Slovakia and, and so on and so forth. Um, he worked 24-7, literally, including Shabbosim. One of the times he had, to, you know, he had to take a train on Shabbos to get something, he cried before he took the train. And the Satmarov was very, very taken by it. And so I asked Satmarov, why? He's supposed to do it. It's Pikuach Nefesh. He said, Pikuach Nefesh overrides Shabbos. The danger is you lose your sensitivity to Shabbos. The greatest of Michal Be'er was... Of course he was Mekayim Pekuch Nefesh Shabbos, but he never stopped losing the sense of Shabbos. And, and this is in Kirov, it's so difficult, we need to reach out to the other person, understand him, embrace him for the good that he is, and never lose sight of where we want the person to. Yes? 
Zach, what's your name? Zach Fisherman from TNF. Um, and Rush, you said before that it's important for us to, to, to not just look at the Gemara as words and to see it as a, uh, a live argument. So why is there such a, such a push in yeshivas to, right when the guys get in, to right away, even if, like, to try and make them understand the, the original uh, the original language of the Gemara or any Hebrew statement that they don't really understand, as opposed to learning it, learning the ideas first in English, and then after maybe a year or two of understanding how a Gemara works out, then transitioning into going into Hebrew or Aramaic. That you, you'd automatically make a shot of bed mandatory, like that would that would be part of part of part of the uh, good results of that. Um, so let me give you an analogy. When I, I don't know how many of you are from New York State. Now everybody lives in New Jersey. Or the the, um, the you know they have the regions. We used to have the regions we took, and whoever's from New York State will knows. So when I took the history regions, it switched. It began switching from pure fact: who died, who killed, when, what year, and where. That that used to be history, to more of these. And, and understanding events and so on and so forth. So on the one hand, it was a good swing of the pendulum. You went from just memorizing, mindless memorization of people you couldn't care less about and events that you, that you didn't care about and dates you couldn't care about to understanding sweeping concepts in history. But the pendulum began to swing very, very far to the other direction. And now people will, will do like, you know, I think French Revolution was great. It was wonderful. Well, tell me about it. When did it happen? What were the events? I don't know, but I just know that the idea of the French Revolution is very good. People began to write stuff where facts were of, of very little value uh, in, in their essay, which, which, which meant the pendulum swung to feelings without actually information. We are arguing about points in Teresh Peh. What does the Gemara say? What does the Gemara want to say? Whenever you translate, you lose an awful lot of that. It's, it's, I've, I myself, I, I like learning. Lahabzul, I like reading. I, I can't look at English translations of, of Jew, uh, English stuff on Jewish topics, even though I wrote in English. But still, I have a hard time because I always, I know it's not accurate. It's never exact. And, and at some point, if you get into the habit of reading the English, people will ask me, I, there, was, there was somebody who had dyslexia in the Hebrew, and he would ask me questions a lot. It was based on his reading the English, and the imprecision was terrible. It's like, imagine wearing glasses, two numbers less than what you need. So you can make out the people, but it drives you out of your mind that the people are all blurs. It's like, you know, everything, it's kind of, I know the information, pretty much, but I don't have the sharpness of, of the precision, the resolution. That's a real problem. So it's a hurdle, and ideally it should have been earlier, when you're younger a bit, but once you have the Hebrew words, the words themselves give over that information. The, 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 and, and that's why it's, it's, a, it's necessary, but I would, I would shudder at somebody starting his basic information with English. Yes, what's your name? Yeah. So, like everything else, there's, there is a balance. Um, you can fill in. I'm not against using an article Gemara or, or any English translation Gemara, and the same thing is true with Rashi. But you have to put an appreciable amount of time aside for learning to read the Hebrew. So there's a balance. I, I don't know you know. I don't know you, and I, your Rebbe was in a much better position. But it's critical that eventually you can have a reasonable familiarity to Rashi. Even the words in, in, in Rashi and Chumash, there's something about the Lashon Kodesh that gives over so much more than a translation. Just the Kedush of Lashon Kodesh, the Kedush of the words, there's some quality to it.
So, yes, um, learning so that you get the ideas, especially Chumash and Rashi, which are most important ideas, and slowly getting a um, feel for the for the um, for the Kodesh so that at some point you can do it. It's 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 like when a person is, is learning how to walk. You know, Loleno, a grown up, is doing rehab. So you first hold on, and then every so often you let go and you take a step without holding on, and it might be faltering, it might be difficult, but that's the only way you transition to, to independent walking. So I would say the same thing. It is good to know Chumash Rashi is very important. It's very basic. And if, if, if Hebrew is just too difficult to all of it, yes, do it in English. But give yourself every week a segment of time that you do one, two, whatever amount of rashes you need to be able to break your teeth and, and to get into it. Yes? What's your name? Toronto, yeah. So um, let's go slowly. The, um, somebody once came to an orphanage and was given a tour, and then, the, and then he asked, he was very moved by their plight, these kids have nothing, and so he said, you know, I like to order, order clothing for all the orphans. What size suit does an orphan wear? <laughs> In other words, these are things that are individual decisions. Co-ed education has a lot of challenges, least of which is that it takes your mind away from anything else. So if a person is sitting and learning, it's meant to be that way. HaKadosh Baruch Hu engineered the Bria that when a man and woman meet, they will get married. They're, they're drawn to each other, they're, they're, you know, and, and on. So a person ends up spending a lot of unproductive time um, unless he's holding my shidduch at that point. But, but if he's not, the least of the problems is that. You know, we're talking about somebody who really can, is on top of himself and, 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 can, and can make red lines. But more than that, it tends to really... Um, so, so, so that's why, as a default choice, um, there's a reason why s- single gender is preferable. There are, there are extenuating circumstances. It may be for you in a special position, whatever it is, that a certain place would be ideal, even though it's correct. I can't say it, but I, I just want to explain. Besides the nisyonos of Kedush and Coed, even if the person is really, really in control of himself, the amount of time that gets lost in Sicha Betela, which at this point is unproductive, when a person chooses now is a time to, be, to, 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 to establish a house, the, the, the conversation and the, and the process is kadosh. It becomes part of the of, of, of bonding, but a, a non-bonding bonding is is, is just a, 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 at best it's it's fruitless. And that's why, as a default setting, one would certainly choose a place that's that's single gender. If um, if there are other circumstances, that's what you have to pay him for to talk over your personal um, you know position and needs and, and you know for everything there's always uh, an exception. Yes. Eliezer Heller from Maryland. Wow. Uh, my dad, Dr. Heller. Whoa, Eliezer. <laughs> Your dad is Dr. Heller. I spoke at your bar mitzvah. <laughs> oh, you, you've grown in many ways, Baruch Hashem. What? Yes. Um, we, when we go out, we go to college. By the way, his, I mean, his, his father and his mother... They are tzaddikim of a whole different caliber. His father is a great researcher at NIH who's available nonstop for people to consult with tremendous wisdom. His mother has put herself into Sulam. The, the Bliyan Har, it's a very special family. Uh, that I could, I could say, uh, you know, just uh, it's kind of shocked me a little bit, you know, when you get to. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we, when we go into our careers, we spend a tremendous amount of hours working. And but we're meant to integrate Torah with our lives. Yes. And Torah should be the Iker of our day. But how, how, how do we explain or rationalize having a career that 
could possibly have nothing to do with Torah. It might not be, like, it's a means of Parnassah, but it, it, it's nothing else. It, is that okay? Is, is that something that we should settle for? So, this, this is not a collusion. He's not advertising my book. So, <laughs> he, even though it's a topic that I deal with a lot, and, and, I'm, and I want to tell you, I think it's a very thoughtful question. I, I think asking that question itself is, is a madrega. I'm, I'm serious, I don't want to, I'm playing. Um, for, for most people, it seems two different activities. Now, there are some c- careers where they're obvious. For instance, some like your parents do, where it's very clear, if I was a doctor doing research, and, and constantly, you know, in, in other words, the point is to help sick people and to help cure people, to do it honestly, faithfully, to be of help to people who need his advice and so on. Some careers are obvious and easy. Some careers are more challenging. Um, so I, I'd like to, and I think it's the challenge not only here, it's the challenge in the so-called black hat yeshivas, and that's where I wrote my book, if people who studied in Kola now are looking for Parnassa, sometimes they really, they're not even choosing career, they're choosing a job. So somebody tells them, you know, I do mortgages, would you come on, on the bandwagon? And it'll give you Parnassa. That's the, you know, the choices are less limited, they have less career choices, so it's basically Parnassa. So, so, so people struggle with that. I'm going from a world that is Kola Ruchni to a world that seems to be totally devoid of it. So I, I want to put two, three, four points into it. Again, this is, hopefully, you will struggle with this issue. Hopefully, your ruchnius that you attain here will be meaningful enough that you're going to ask yourself, what am I spending most of my days doing? So, if you choose a career that is directly helpful, like a person is a doctor, a person is a teacher, a person is a therapist, there are professions where you can directly see what you're doing for people. That is one madrega. A second madrega is oskim b'yishuva shal olam, meaning making this world a good world physically to live in. Um, the, the, the Rabbi Sol Salanta said, there's a medrash, it's, it's not a real medrash, it's medrash talpias and other places, it's not brought in a real chazal, it says Chanoch was meyached yechudim was me, w- 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 when he when he sewed he he was a, he was a cobbler he sold he sewed shoes and it was meyached yechudim when he sewed those shoes meyached yechudim the simple explanation means that he thought high kabbalistic thoughts when he was doing it. Rabbi Yisrael Salanta said it means that every stitch that he put into it he said I would like this stitch to be perfect because somebody's going to wear these shoes and I want it to be good. When a person does something that directly helps people, a person's building, construction, if I do it right, I know I can do shoddy work, and I can do it wholeheartedly, there's a certain, that's Osig B'Shivisha Olam in a very positive way. If a person knows he makes the effort, every, everyone who has a profession knows he can do a schlock job, it's quicker, it's easier, or he can really put himself in and do it right. As long as a person is coming from a Torah Shkafa, that I'm doing it right, um, then there's already a sense of purpose that people, that, that people live in comfortable houses, the houses they live in are pleasant because I've done a good job. It means taking effort on my part. It means um, investing myself because I recognize what I'm doing is good. That's also it's a way to go. Next, the Torah gave many halachas about business, honesty, um, you know, um, let's call it... Uh, keeping your word, um, let's say, not honest advertising, and so on and so forth. A lot of halachas, I mean, all of Chosh Mishpat relates to a world of business interaction. There will be many, many misyonos. There'll be many, many tests on, on, a, um, on, on a person's honesty. If he knows that every moment, there's always an issue of it may not be usher, but is it lechatchila, not chatchila? My keeping my word, my doing what I'm supposed to do, all these things lend a tremendous amount of kedusha to it. I once uh, there was once a boy in our yeshiva 
who came from a very materialistic background. Not Maryland. No materialism in Maryland. A different, a, different, a different place. And he said, he wasn't that interested in learning, and he said, Rebbe, I think that Hashem wants me to, to, to earn a lot of money. I should give a lot of tzedakah. I should, I should be in business, earn a lot of money, give a lot of tzedakah. So I told him, Shmuli, maybe a Kaddish Brock wants to be in business and you have a lot of nisyonas with honesty and integrity. You don't make a lot of money, but every money you make is really honest and integrity. No, 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 he says, I think a Kaddish Brock wants to make a lot of money and receive a lot of tzedakah. I said, I don't know, maybe Hashem wants you not to make a lot of money, but every dollar you earn should be very honest and integrity. He, 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 he did not like that at all. He, 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 he was, I think it was like Meitif Cholom afterwards, just to make sure that, that, I, that I wasn't right. Um, so, so it, 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 when a person is in a work environment, and, and there's, there are a lot of misiones, and a person is able to be steadfast with his honesty, Erlkeit, and many other things that demands, um, interaction with other people, if it's a place where people's standard of conduct is less than ideal, and you keep a person's interaction with women, um, keep, you know, and so on. HaKadosh Baruch Hu has made a world, Nisyonos are not problems, they're challenges. And when a person stands fast in a Nisyonion, he, he, it's not just that he hasn't lost, he's gained. Yosef Atzadik didn't not do an Avera, he became a tzaddik. Because he stood fast, he's called tzaddik. It's a positive value. A person is honest. A person is yasher. All of those midas, um, a person gains. So, so we have different levels. You have sometimes a type of work which directly gives you some satisfaction. And if it's within the range of your talents and opportunities, ashrecha matov. Sometimes it means the person is doing very creative and constructive things. And sometimes it's just an isyonos. Someone asked me this question recently, and he phrased it in a way that I really had a hard time answering it. The person said, Rebbe, my job is to make rich people richer. Is there any value to that? You know, he, the way he put it is he doesn't see value in what he's doing to society. He doesn't see value in what he's doing to anything. It's just finding smart ways to invest. I, oh, it's hard when a person phrases that way. But the Nisyonos a person goes through every day when a person is able to learn every day, despite the fact that he's tired, the fact that the person is supporting a family and bringing up children to be over the Hashem and to do what's right and to learn and, 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 and so on, all of those things, if a person looks at the big picture of life, I think that's where we gain a sense of, of purpose in what we're doing. Yes, what's your name? <coughs> what? So, you know, just like when a person goes to a gym, um, you usually have a trainer, and Yeshiva Baruch Hashem has a wonderful staff, really an amazing staff. I mean, I, I mean oh, I know uh, David's brother, I know first, and I actually know David's uh, in-laws from the Lower East Side. I, I, know, I know many of the staff here. Um, it, it, it's, it's a good thing to ask people, that's one. Two, just like when you're working out, you try a step and you see how it sits on you. If it becomes, if you, if you feel sore and Charlie, you know you've pushed too hard. If it feels okay, just more, more strain, you keep going at it and go weiter and weiter. If you start feeling frustrated, upset, and so on, after two or three, let's say you added another half hour Seder, and after a week, you, you still feel very choked by it, then, then go back a, a bit. If it, you can't keep learning when you're constantly feeling very frustrated. But you can always keep trying another step, another step. And, and, and generally speaking, that's a guide. And Rebbeim have experience with people like you, and they get a sense of what makes sense for you to try next. Yes. John Braverman, West Orange Trinity. Um, <coughs> you know my cousin Berliner? Um, Ed Berliner, what? I have the same sounds familiar. Yeah. 
Um, so you you would have gotten an extra point for that. that <laughs> <laughs> almost like Helen. You, you would have. You, you, um, we spoke about Mishia a little bit earlier, and we spoke about the why and the when more. Um, but something that, that's bothersome is, is the how, because we, we daven about it, we daven for it like almost three times three times a day um, in our Shemona Ashray, and even I think it says in the Gemara maybe that when you go for Shemayim, we're going to ask you, like, did you, Hashem's going to ask, did you um, expect to hear the, the Mashiach? But it's very hard to connect to at this point in our lives. Um, so, um, it, it's like many things. L- let's take something else. Um, imagine a person's ambition to get ahead with his career. Everybody has an ambition to. It doesn't express itself equally all the time, but a person—it's always under the surface. I want. I want to advance. You know, I, I, you know, there's the, the next level to move up to. So, so this is something which is a, a very permanent part of yourself, a very integral part of yourself. But the strength, is, so maybe the next time a job opens up, you really say, oh, I got to move forward. What does it take to get there and so on and so forth. The rest of the time, it's just underlying. When a person has a Ruch Nistika moment, a Yom Kippur, a person finishes Yom Kippur and he feels very uplifted, very elevated. A person finishes a Seder at night, a Pesach Seder. A person finishes learning a long Seder, feels good. And a person understands this is the world of Ruchnius at the entrance level. There's so much more to be had. Whenever a person has an especially inspiring moment, if he would understand that this is only the beginning of it, and, and Mashiach's full sense is, is a full world like that, that that's helpful. You can't have that, in, unless you're a very special neshama, you can't have that intense emotional drive every minute. Just like a normal person doesn't sit and think of how do I get ahead, how do I get ahead, how do I get ahead, but it's always there. If he sees an opportunity, someone comes and offers a job and says, you're working as an associate. I come to my firm, you'll be a senior partner. As soon as he says that, I jump. Even though I wasn't thinking about it before. Because it's in me, it's, it's within me, it's something that's laying within me. And that's and and that's uh, what it would be like. Yes. When is the gula coming here? <laughs> Another ten minutes. Another ten minutes. Okay, Seder. I'm not being mechaker for it, but I just wanted. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. What's that? It's very interesting. The Balatanya writes that a Kodesh Baruch Hu is mechaber machshava to Maisa. That that a Kodesh Metzarif machshava to Maisa. So he says, even though we're in total control of our thoughts, we're in total control of our actions. We're not really in control of our emotions. He says sometimes it's the people who don't have strong emotions naturally. As long as the machshava Maisa are in place, they connect. What you really need to ask yourself is, um, is it that, you know, some people have much less regish than other people. Some people have a regish, but it's in some other area. So if a person is naturally devoid of strong emotions, then that's not your tevan. Then I would take the Balatanya's words of being mitzarev, machshava to and say, I'm doing what's right, I'm, I'm, I'm learning and understanding, and the rest of it, this is me. I, I'm not so emotional. But if a person is very, very emotional about certain things, a person is very into, I don't know, music of some sort, and, but he doesn't feel it, then the question is, how do we translate what makes me emotional into, in, into, into Yiddishkeit? So, so I think it really depends on that. That's, that's where the, the, the crux of the issue is. If a person has an area where he has strong emotions, you have to ask yourself, how do I translate and find that nekuda in Yiddishkeit? Because if you have emotions, and in Yiddishkeit you don't have those emotions, it, it's, it's not going to stick. Yes?
so, so the first thing is, it's like any time when a person does, goes into space or deep sea diving, he recognizes it's an environment that doesn't have what he needs. And therefore, he, there's two aids. He takes either a reserve of oxygen or he has a line um, going to a place where there is oxygen. Understanding that wherever you are in an environment, if, if you can't get your chiyas to that environment, so A, you need to understand who you are and you're getting your chiyas from wherever you came from, but reconnecting constantly is vital. Baruch Hashem, today people have Yarchikalas are popular. We have an alumni share on Skype once a week. Um, we found out to be, I mean, it's amazing. Wherever the alumni are, they can, they, they can I know other yeshivas have, have a setup like that where they'll have shiurim. You can interact on Skype. You can come and visit. There, there, I, I know I know it's become popular during break, people come back to yeshivas in Eretz Yisrael. I think it's a phenomenal thing. And like I said, Yachikalas, understand that unless you're connected still to something else, you will become part of that society. So you want to, A, some people have it during their learning say that they just, they learn in a way that they connect to what, the Mir Yeshiva has an Ian Seder worldwide for Talmidim, I mean, I, I assume any of us can latch in, but a Rebbe says a share once a week on it still. The sense of being connected in yeshivas, people come back, Roshani Yekippur to yeshiva. The me yeshiva would be full of people coming back to reconnect. By us, younger light, who've moved out the first few years before it becomes difficult with kids, come back, Roshani Yekippur. And my children at Israel, my sons went to Hebron, until recently what's going, I think still might go for Yekippur to Hebron. It, it, those are things, I, I think you put a very good point, a very good description. You're in an environment that's not feeding your neshama at the level you are. You need to ask yourself, how do I keep getting my nourishment from those places? Yeah, maybe one more question. Okay. Yeah. Marcus from Everdale. Uh, when someone is trying to evaluate precious and you know, removing gospels from their lives, for example, how, does it, how do they really feel that it's the correct decision based off of either, you know, one community where if you have, for example, two pairs of shoes, that's absurd, but, you know, that community on the right, you know, if you have two pairs of shoes, everyone has ten pairs of shoes. So how do you understand which type of, you know, throwing gashmas away is the correct for you? So the first choice to make, and this goes with some that you've said, your biggest decision in life will be what community are you part of? Because at the end of the day, it's very unhealthy and it's untenable to live at a different standard than the people around you. With all the talk about being your own person, which is true, but at the end of the day, your default setting will be a community. It's a halacha. Makam shenagu. The general halachic rulings of a community. People make a mistake. A community's rulings are more mechaev than parents, except that, that, that um, most of the time today, we don't have such a real tour of community. You're in New York, what's a community? Any place you feel like davening. It, it's harder, but generally speaking, the standards, you can't live with one pair of shoes in a community where everybody has 10 pairs of shoes. You're standing out, it's what Halacha calls minat matmihin, you're strange. On the other hand, to live in a community where everybody has one pair of shoes, you have 10 pairs of shoes, Someone, someone asked me about this. He comes from a very wealthy family. He's a real starker in Torah. He doesn't want to live in a type of community he comes from. So he asked me about living in a, in a Kolo community. I said, only if you can live the standard of life they have. You can't be driving a fancy van where they're taking the bus. Isn't that just I said, you can't do that. And, and, and that's, it's, so make up your mind. You need to find what you can live with and, and be part of that community. It's true in Ruchnius. To live in a community that is in very high Madrigal in Ruchnius, but you're not there, but you just hope their influence is going to be good, that's not, that's not a wise choice, unless you can be like that. On the other hand, living in a community that's easy and loose, and you'll say, no, but I know I have my values and that, that's nonsense. Um, you, you will become like the people like you. And that's why it's very important to choose a community, ask yourself, what's the community with values 
that are real. I want to tell you one of the biggest nachas ruchs as a Rebbe that I've had, as a mechanech. Um, there was somebody learned by us 20 years ago. The person was a good kid, but I wouldn't say the strongest learner and the most serious of all students. A, a, a good, kishmakev you know, boy, and very nice. And he went off whatever career, and he, he lived for a few years, you know, a place like a, a you know, young couple type situation. He calls me up and says, Rebbe, I have a very important decision to make. We can move to either A or B as our permit community. Where do you think my ruchnius will be better? I was blown away and I said, this is, this is what you hope for. That a person 10 years down the road, and he's settling in and says, my main issue is not which has nicer stores, which is closer to this, which has, you know, fancier that or the other thing. First says, what, is, what do I think will give him the best ruchnistic environment? I, 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 I thought that that was, I, I, I tremendous that's ruch. It'll probably be after choosing the yeshiva you went to, the next most important decision is going to be, what's a community living? And you have to ask yourself, where are people serious over the Hashem? Where are people into other things? It doesn't make a difference the color hat or yarmulke or whatever it is. Are these people into um, material stuff in a way that I don't need to be there? Are they into, do they have values and care about things and serious about things? Can I, can I fit into that community? That I think is going to be, Be'ez Hashem, your, uh, your biggest choice. And Ubachar to Bachayim. I think that that, was, that will be what your life will look like. And Be'ez Hashem, you should find a communities and environments that give you the most ruchnias and always remain connected to your yeshiva. It's something that I can't encourage enough. It, 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 um, traditionally, yeshiva was a home. A person came back on Yom Neroyim, a person called his Rebbeim, a person would come and spend time occasionally there. Whether it's a day, a weekend, a week, that was, you always were part of the yeshiva. This is the yeshiva that formed you, and that they're part of it. Those are the two most important things for, for moving forward, Be'ez Hashem. Could the Rashiva comment on the qualities that young men should look for in Hashem in uh, a few years in terms of marriage? You're talking about a partner. So, hopefully, the first and foremost quality is what is the lifestyle the person looking for? And lifestyle, I'm talking about more practical things. In other words, is the person anticipating a husband who will spend every evening with her? Or anticipating a husband that will go at least two or three times to, to learn? Is, is, is a husband who's davens in it with a minion as norm something important or not important? I, I would say to make a list of practical details that describe what you see yourself as ruchness yourself. You're not looking for a mashgiach to make you better than you are. I've heard the statement, I want a one that will make me a benturmic from, no, uh, you're confusing two different jobs. But the woman's natural, for a woman that she was used to a husband leaving, going out to learn at night, she sits and frets and she feels, okay, I got to do it. He said it's very important and they say it's important, but it, it creates a, a problem. If she's used to it and she expects to have a husband sit and, 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 and have kvirsen, then not only is she okay with it, this is normal life to her. What does the Shabbos table look like? Uh, what things are spoken about, what things are not spoken about. No, no, we'll talk about halacha. Does the person have a sense of a ruchnistic world? Where a Shabbos table, it, there are things that are just not on the table. I, I, I know who won the fill-in, uh, this play of that play is an important topic. But six days a week is enough on the topic. And a Shabbos table doesn't belong. Is there an Isra in Yemeshachorach? I don't know. I'd have to scratch my head to figure that out. Is, is, it, is, it, is it Kedusha Shabbos? I, I can say emphatically no. Business, really business stuff. And again, there's many stuff that halachli is mutta. How somebody ran his business and why it was succeeded, didn't succeed, is not halachli also. Awesome. It, does it, 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 it doesn't make a difference. What does the Shabbos table look like? What does the Shabbos environment look like? What does the person expect in the broad strokes of, of another good rule of the thumb is what yeshivas would she be comfortable sending her kids and me? That should be the first, and that's probably usually the best indicator. If there is, if there is a good overlap, that means we have the same ruchnistic picture. If there's no overlap, we'll figure it out is, is a recipe for, for, for disaster. 
So looking for those qualities in broad strokes of Ruchnius. And then I would say, I, I, I think you need to distinguish, and again, I'm talking very broad strokes. There are qualities that make a person an engaging and companion for a night out. Sharp, witty, interesting, fun, etc. There are qualities that make a person a life partner. Maturity, understanding, ease of person, and things like that. It, you know, it, it, if for a person who's mature to understand those basic qualities, I need to be able to live with a person at Mea Vestrim and go through a lot of not easy things. Life, life is, is, is a work. It's, it's, it's something where Kachbrahu gave us a lifetime to build something. The basic qualities of that is Seichel and a certain Ratzentov, a person who wants good, is, it has an ease with people and, 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 and has maturity and, and Seichel. They don't, they're not the first things you see on a pleasant date. You can just have a lot of fun when the person is, 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 is engaging and fun and attractive. But you need to be able to pull back a bit and ask yourself, okay, what are the qualities of the person um, as a person? Again, I'm from kind of out of this picture. I'm taking basic things. So the two things to me that I think are most important are, one, in broad strokes, if, if Ruchnistic life is important to you, in broad strokes, is, is your Ruchnistic life look like that person's Ruchnistic life? Um, what happens if, you know, and, and where you would feel comfortable sending your children to yeshiva is a good indication of where the other person wants, what is tzuris. And you don't have to be judgmental. You can just say, we're not the same page. They don't make difference right, left, up, down, more chomer, less chomer. It has to be fit well. Two, you have to ask yourself, what are the basic qualities to go through a life? Life means challenging. It's, it's work is challenging and a home is challenging and children are challenging, a, a community is challenging. They all present opportunities and challenges. Do you think the person has qualities that make them ready to, 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 to build a home together? And you shouldn't also hesitate to look in the mirror and ask yourself if you have these qualities. Not only the wife that needs to bring qualities to the marriage. You have to ask yourself, is my Ruchnistika world fairly clear? Do I have the ability to get along with people, even if it's not easy? And do I have das and seichel and understand life? Those, I think, are important qualities. Okay, Bez Hashem, Bimatzliach, you still have. Tremendous Akarsa Toto, Rolf Yaski, who came today and gave us a tremendous amount of chizuk and shared a story with us. Yeah, thank you so much. We're going to now. Now, right now. I'm going to